What's that? How did it come up so did fast? Did upload just like that? I guess it did. Wow. Maybe it was already up? I don't know. Thank you. Good evening, brothers and sisters. Good to see you this evening. We're here to worship the Lord our God, so let's stand now and hear his call to worship. These words are from Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Thanks be to the Lord for this. Let's sing our first hymn is number 400, O Bless Our God with One Accord. 
Sabbath day. Remind us that the last of them will one day end, and that we will find that we are brought into the eternal Sabbath, where we rest forever in the glorious joy of our great inheritance in your presence, and that in that day, on on that Lord's day, when we are there face to face with you, praise will never cease. Adoration and worship will continue uninterrupted forever. And our flesh won't grow weary. And our congregations won't disperse. And our love for you won't, uh, won't waver. And our thoughts won't wander. And our will submitted to you won't droop. But all will be adoring love. Father, we pray that as we come to worship you this evening, we would have a foretaste of that great day and that you'd strengthen us by that taste to persevere in our pilgrimage heavenward. Meet with us, bless us again, strengthen us again, and be glorified now with the praises that we bring, not for our sake, not for our sake, but for the sake of your dear Son, our righteousness, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our next hymn is number 108, Whate'er My God Ordains is Right. Dark my road, 
he holds me that I shall not fall. Wherefore to him I leave it all. Whatever my God ordains is right, he never will deceive me. He leads me by the proper path, I know he will not leave me. I take content what he hath sent, his hand can turn my griefs away, and patiently I wait his day. Whatever my God ordains is right, oh, now this cup in drinking may bitter seem to my faint heart, I take it all unshrinking. My God is true, each morn anew, sweet comfort yet shall fill my heart, and pain and sorrow shall depart. Whatever my God ordains is right, here shall my stand be taken. Though sorrow, need, or death be mine, yet am I not forsaken. My Father's care is round me there, he holds me that I shall not fall, and so to him I leave it all. Amen. You may be seated. Continuing through the Psalms, Psalm 3 is our scripture reading for this evening. Psalm 3. Lord, How they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who've set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You've broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Amen. Do you have any prayer requests, praises you'd like to share as we come to the Lord together in a time of prayer? Yes, Donna.
All right. Let's bow before the Lord now together. Lord, our foes are many, those who rise against us and speak against us and say of our souls, there is no salvation for him in God. They are many. Our guilt and our sin would accuse us. Our hearts would condemn us. Um, The devil and all the powers of darkness are set against us and also the world. And in ourselves, Lord, we would have no defense, no refuge, no place to flee. But you, Lord, our covenant Lord, you are a shield about us. You are our glory. You are the one who lifts up our head and gives us strength and gives us courage and gives us uh, grace to keep on and to persevere and to, 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 to be safe from all evils and all harm because you keep us. How many times have we cried out to you, O Lord, and you have heard us and answered us, and you've given us rest, and you've sustained us. So Lord, teach us not to fear. Teach us not to fear, though we are surrounded by many thousands of people against us. But help us to have all confidence and all, uh, all, all faith and trust in your protection and your power and your care and your love for us. For salvation belongs to you, O Lord. Lord, we pray your blessing would be on us, that even as you've begun your good work in us, you would continue that good work. Even as you've uh, made us to belong to you, we pray that you would persevere us in that grace, keep our feet from stumbling, keep us from sin and temptation, and help us to continue faithfully and, and ever more faithfully, not content uh, with, with, what, uh, with what you've done in our lives so far, but crying out to you for more, that we'd continue seeking and asking and knocking, that your kingdom would come in our hearts, in our lives. Gracious God, we bring to you the requests of our hearts. We bring to you the cares and concerns that we see around us. We give thanks to you for your uh, good providence today that the Fitzgeralds got to see David. We thank you for that meeting. We pray for David. We pray that you would indeed continue at work in him and claim him for yourself and draw him back to yourself and bring into his life those whom he'll, who, 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 will, who will be able to speak your truth to him. And we pray you'd give him listening ears. We pray that all those things that he knows, the truth of your word which he knows, uh, would come back to, uh, to, 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 to take hold of him. Father, we continue to pray for... Uh, Kristen, we pray that as she sees her mother ill, we pray that you'd give her peace of mind and confidence in you and in your goodness. Above all, we pray that you would be at work in her mother's heart and that she would repent and that your sovereign grace would also lay hold of her even at this late hour and claim her for yourself. Bring comfort and encouragement, we pray, to the Kushki family and Kristen especially. Father, we continue to give thanks for you that little Levi is doing so well. We thank you for uh, the the wonderful um, blessing that it's been to us as a church and to the Duntleys to see this little boy living and thriving and growing. We thank you for your grace to the Duntleys. 
We pray that You would give Mike and Katie peace of mind, continued confidence in You as they wait on You day by day and as they watch their little one grow. Have Your hand on this boy for good, we pray. Father, we pray also for uh, the... uh, uh, for the ongoing grief that we know um, Kathy Smith feels. and pray that You would continue to encourage and comfort her. We pray for all those who continue to miss dear loved ones who've gone on. We pray that You bring comfort. The comfort, the, the real solid comfort of Christ, the Good Shepherd, and the everlasting life. Father, we continue to pray for our church and we pray that our church would grow. We pray that we would be faithful witnesses for Christ. We pray that you'd be at work uh, to, in, our, in our hearts that we might rejoice in the gospel and love you and desire your glory and that that might uh, drive us and motivate us to speak of the glories of what you've done for sinners to others. Give us opportunity to speak. And give us the, the courage to speak. And give us winsomeness in it. Give us humility and gentleness in it too. We pray that you would continue to bless our church with, with growth and grace also. That, the, that, that each of us would strive together to become more mature in Christ. To come to know you better. And to honor you more in our lives. And in the callings you've placed on us. Father, we pray not only for ourselves, we we pray for uh, the work of the gospel everywhere. We pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the world who at the close of this Lord's Day are gathering to praise your name and hear your word. Bless them richly. Pray for the uh, church in uh, Scarborough, for our brothers and sisters at Second Parish, for Pastor Patterson. Bless them, we pray. Continue with them. We pray for the ongoing work in Haiti. We pray you bless our brothers and sisters there and be with them as they continue to seek to honor you and to be faithful to you. We know that, uh, that um, they face much hardship and difficulty, much poverty. We pray that you would provide for them well and help them to be faithful witnesses in the midst of the difficulties that surround them. Father, we would pray also, we'd remember also uh, the cares and concerns that we have regarding our country. Uh, We pray for our president and vice president. We pray for you to equip them with all wisdom and to work in their hearts and to bring them to to yourself. We pray that uh, that, that you would be at work to put a stop to wrongdoing and sin. And to, to uh, by your providence, cause righteousness to flourish and spread. But, O oh Lord, our, our hope in all this, of course, is in Christ, our great King. We know that He is the King of the kingdom of heaven. And that He is building His kingdom. And nothing will prevail against it. And that He will return and He will cause justice and righteousness and peace to flourish. So that there will be no more uh, a, a war or conflict or pain or suffering. But He will put an end to all. And sin will be no more. And we will be in His perfect kingdom forever and ever. So strengthen us in that hope. Keep our eyes on our Savior. Uh, strengthen us through our earthly pilgrimage. Heavenward we pray. For the sake of our dear Savior. Amen. Slight change from what's in the bulletin, uh, but 
Val was able to get it into the PowerPoint last minute, so thank you, Val. Um, Our next hymn is number 252, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Let's stand and sing together, number 252. Considering together this evening is Psalm 22. I invite you to turn there in your copy of God's Word, Psalm 22. We'll read the whole psalm. This is God's very Word. Let's give it all our attention. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night season, and am not silent. 
But you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and were not ashamed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breasts. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my my tongue clings to my jaws. You've brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. My praise shall be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verses 33 to 39. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, Look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine, put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. And the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, Truly, 
this man was the Son of God. Thus ends the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray. Lord, as we survey the wondrous cross on which our Prince of Glory died, we pray it would be a marvel again to us that you have so loved us, so suffered for us, and so overcome and won the victory for us. We pray that you'd strengthen our hearts as we see Christ who suffered for us and Christ who was exalted for us. Strengthen our hearts in faith and perseverance. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Of all the words someone says, there's something special about last words. Right? There's something... This, there's a special significance we can attach to last words. They, they hold a special interest to us. We want to, it's, it's interesting to read about, well, what, what were the last words of so-and-so or so-and-so? Or if it's someone we, we know well, we want to know, what do they say last? Something special about that. Of all the significant um, last words out there, surely our Lord Jesus Christ's last words from the cross before he was crucified are the most significant and interesting of all, aren't they? Uh, what, what, what is it that Jesus, as he faces his death, what are his words? We just read in Mark fifteen thirty four some of his words on the cross. Mark fifteen thirty four, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those words are like a, a flash of light which illuminates for us the depths of the abyss of what Jesus is going through on the cross. They, they, they give us a window into the emotional life of Christ as he's there suffering on the cross for us, what he's going through, the depths of what he's going through. They seize our attention, don't they? These words of Christ. What does he mean? As he cries out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's he saying? Is he doubting? Despairing? Giving up? God, you're done with me. Right? You've, you've left me. It's all over. What is he saying? What does he mean? But more than just what does he mean, right? This isn't just a um, historical interest, right? This is something of personal significance. Jesus' death on the cross is such a dramatic and momentous thing. Um, uh, it's, not just, it's not just this historical story, right? But it's something that's deeply significant to us and personal to us. And these words of peace are deeply significant to us and personal to us. And in particular, what I want to do tonight is look at Psalm 22 through the lens right, of what Jesus is experiencing on the cross. He quotes the first verse of Psalm 22. But I think if we read through the rest of the psalm, we can see he had the whole psalm in mind. The whole psalm was, was on his heart and in his mind as he is there on the cross. And so this psalm gives us a unique window into what he was experiencing there on the cross. Uh, Psalm 22, uh, it'd be good to have it open as we work through this. I think it'll be helpful to you to be able to see it as we work through it. But we're going to work through uh, two, two main points. Um, the psalm has two major movements, which are quite, there's, there's a pretty clear delineation um, uh, in the first half of the psalm and then to the second half of the psalm. Uh, first is verses 1 through 18, um, and then there's a shift there after verse 18. So in verses 1 to 18, we see the God-forsaken man. That's our first heading. The God-forsaken man. 
verses 1 through 18. Godforsaken is usually a word we give to places, right? Well, that, that's a Godforsaken place. We mean it's abandoned, it's run down, there's, there's nothing good there, uh, no, no apparent grace of God there. But in Psalm 22, it's a Godforsaken person that we see, right? Someone who feels like they've been completely abandoned by God's love, by his goodness. The psalmist says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Of course, these words are originally written by King David. He's going through something in his life where he feels completely abandoned by the goodness of God, by the, by the, by the love of God. He feels like God has forgotten him. But even more, these words refer to Jesus Christ, more than David. Right? This is his experience on the cross. He is the God-forsaken Man. Now, in this um, first half of the psalm we're looking at, verses 1 through 18 uh, here, you'll notice these alternating stanzas or verses of agony on the one hand and trust on the other. So the psalm works back and forth between these two things. And as the psalm unfolds, we see these alternating uh, stanzas, right? There's the anguish, and it gets more intense as the psalm goes on. And then there's the trust, which becomes ever more acute and pleading as the psalm goes on. So let's walk through these. First, verses 1 to 2, they uh, open the psalm with, with a cry of anguish, right? These words, my God, my God. Those are deeply personal words, aren't they? My God was Jesus' cry. But think about how Jesus knew God as his God. He's, of course, the eternal Son. And he has known and loved God for all eternity. And of course, as, as, he's, as Jesus becomes man, takes on a human nature at, at his conception, right from that point on, even from the earliest point as a, as, a, as, a, as a human, he knew God, loved God, trusted God, depended on God for everything. And this God has forsaken him. It's what he feels. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It seems like heaven is shut. Like, like, uh, like um, uh, there, there, there is no sense that, that Christ has on the cross that God hears him. Um, this feeling of being forsaken, right? It flies in the face of everything that Scripture teaches us about God, doesn't it? Right? Leviticus 26, 12. I will be your God and you will be my people. Joshua 1, 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God's promised that. And Jesus is, is there on the cross. You say in your word, you'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. But you've forsaken me. That's what it feels like. Jesus himself is feeling this, right? And he is, he is, he is the only one who didn't deserve to feel that, right? He is, the, he is the one who's been faithful all along, right? He has always been faithful to every command and faithful to the covenant. He deserves every bit of God's blessing and presence. But it's not what he experiences. At the beginning of his ministry, heaven opened and said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. But now on the cross, heaven is shut and silent. And his cries seem to go unheard. God will not respond. He will not save his son at this moment right when it feels like he needs him most. 
That's how the psalm begins. This is David's experience. This can be our experience at times in the Christian life, but most of all, it's Christ's experience there on the cross. All right, so that's how the psalm opens. And then it swings into trust, right? So we switch over into verses 3 to 5. We see the psalmist, in the midst of this feeling of God-forsakenness, turns to his God again in trust. Verses 3 to 5 here. Uh, He looks in the midst of the present silence of God. The psalmist looks back on the past salvation of God. God is silent now, but he looks back. The psalmist looks back at what God did in the past to, uh, to remind himself, right? To encourage himself. In the midst of this, remember who God was before and who he'll be again. So David, David writes, You are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and they were delivered. They trusted in you and they were not ashamed. David says, he, David remembers all those generations before him who trusted in the Lord and all those stories of God's faithfulness to them and, and he, 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 he wrestles his heart back to the ancient truths of God's faithfulness and God's promises. He knows, I feel like God has forsaken me, but I know he hasn't. And this reminds us too, right? This is, these are the words of Christ on the cross, and this psalm is in his heart, on his lips, as he's on the cross. And he himself, right, is trusting in the Lord. He's not despairing. This is not a psalm of despair. So we have this cry of trust. But then, not long before verse 6 comes, verses 6 to 8, we see this expression of trust give way again to anguish and lament. And here we get this vivid picture of Jesus' suffering. It's not only to be forsaken by God, but it's to have God abandon him to be mocked by the nations and his own people. We read these words in the psalm, All who see me ridicule me, verse 7 says, And in Matthew's Gospel, we see the fulfillment of this. As people walk by, they say, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you're the Son of God, come down from the cross. And we we see the chief priests mocking him. They say, he saved others, he can't save himself. He's the King of Israel, let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. Right, so so the nations, the passers-by, the Gentiles, see Christ suffering there and they mock him and insult him. But, but even more, it cuts even more that Israel herself is mocking and insulting Christ. Right? Those who should have been clamoring to crown him instead are crying out to crucify him and mocking him. This is his beloved people. This is the bride he came to save. And yet she is rejecting him. This is what our Lord Jesus went through. But then again, right, the psalm continues... And it turns again from this lament and experience of pain and, 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 and anguish and turns to trust again in verses 9 to 11. turns back to this expression of trust. The psalmist again reminds God and reminds himself that he belongs to God, that God is his God, and that God has always been his God. He uses this sweet picture, right, that since I was a baby nursing in my mom's arms, you have been my God. And again, think of our Lord Jesus Christ. From the youngest possible age, he was, right, he he belonged to the Lord, right? Never sinned, wasn't born in sin, never committed any sin. And all throughout his life, there was never a moment where he was not trusting in God and where he was not 
uh, cared for by God. And he takes this cry on his lips on the cross, pleading with God, I have always trusted you. Don't fail me now. You've always been my God and you've made me trust you. Deliver me. Well, after all these alternating verses of lament, trust, lament, trust, you'd think maybe finally at this point there'd be an answer from heaven, right? God is ready to send salvation. But actually, at this point in the psalm, in verses 12 to 13, the lament and the anguish, the misery, compounds and increases. And instead of one stanza of lament followed by a stanza of trust, as we've had so far, the psalm now has a stanza after stanza, three of them, one after the other, of escalating suffering and pain that the psalmist is going through. The the psalm here pictures a stampede of raging bulls trampling the psalmist. And the the picture morphs like a bad nightmare from a a raging bull to a raging lion. And uh, um, surely that's how Christ felt as he was crucified, right? Like he was getting run down, right? As uh, the Romans mocked him, as his own people turned against him, as the devil hurled all his hatred against him, and most of all, as God poured out his wrath on him. And then verses 14 to 15 go on to describe this feeling of being laid in the dust of death. Right? In other words, the bulls have trampled him now, and he's, he's, he's dying in the dust on the ground. And then the psalm just piles it on, right? Verses 16 to 17, it continues. He pictures ravenous wild dogs circling around this almost dead corpse in the dust. And of course, these are the the men who are swarming around Christ, piercing his hands and feet. Um, The the picture here is, is a picture of death itself. All this is what Christ went through. This is the God forsaken man, the man who has been forsaken by the love and goodness of his father, even though he was faithful. But it's not a cry of doubt. Not Nowhere do we see despair here. It's a cry of agony, but trust. He feels forsaken, but he keeps on saying, you're my God, and I'm holding fast to you. Uh, this uh, feeling of God-forsakenness was something David felt, of course, as we mentioned earlier. Um, something that our Lord Jesus felt. It also something that happens to the believer from time to time. It may be something you have felt as well. That the Lord and His providence brings you through times or seasons, sometimes long seasons of feeling like, God has forsaken me. He's not listening to me. He's not answering me. He's not close to me. If it happened to Christ, it can happen to those who are in Christ. What do you do in those seasons, in those times? You keep saying, he's my God. And you keep making your cry to him. And you keep pouring out your heart to him. And you keep asking him to save. And you wait on him. And you remember Christ, who went through much more. And who continued faithful in it. But of course, even as we see something of our experience in these verses, what we're really focusing on here tonight is Christ's experience. There's something fundamentally different about what he experienced on the cross than any kind of being forsaken by God that we would experience. Uh, Because we are being disciplined, but we are not being punished for our sins. Right? We are in Christ. 
and, and the wrath of God was poured out on him for his sins. No wrath is left for us. So we might, we might feel forsaken by God, but we know beyond a shadow of a doubt we're not forsaken by God because of what he did to Christ instead in our place. Right? The, 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 the pain that we go through by his providence is a discipline of a painful grace, not a punishment. Because what he took was all the punishment. He went through that by himself so that we might never be forsaken. Now, we've worked through the first 18 verses here. And if Psalm 22 ended there, it would be a bit of a sad psalm without much light at the end. Um, and the comfort that we've, that we've drawn so far wouldn't be any comfort at all. But the, 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 the psalm goes on. It doesn't end with God not hearing and not saving. It goes on and it describes now how God delivered his son. And this is, where we, this is what we're going to look at now. Verses 19 to 31, the psalm turns to talk about the deliverance that God sends. So this is our second heading. The God delivered man. So the God forsaken man, now the God delivered man. So the psalm transitions in verses 19 to 21 from this back and forth between uh, cries of anguish and cries of trust to a sudden celebration of God's saving work. Verses 19 to 21 reveal that even after everything he's gone through, the, the psalmist here, the speaker of the psalm, continues to trust in God. And then in verse 21, we hear the final answer that God has, has rescued him from death. Listen, listen to the verses here. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. And then after that, there's this wonderful little line which says so much more than it says, right? You have answered me. After all that the psalmist has gone through and after all that our Lord Jesus Christ went through, even as God was silent through it all and let, let, let the suffering play out and, and let, let all the, the, the wrath pour out on his son, this was, this was Christ's hope through it all, right? He, he knew he was going to die and suffer these things and to be laid in the tomb, but he knew through it all, God is going to answer. He will deliver me in his time. He's going to raise me up from the dead. And then the verses that follow, right? So we have this hope that God will answer, God will hear. And then the verses that follow, verses 22 to 26, we see two things. We see that Jesus was not forsaken uh, because of himself, but he was forsaken uh, for you and for me. Right? He was righteous, he was faithful, he didn't deserve that wrath, he never broke God's law. Um, he was forsaken for our sake. This point is, is implied here more than, more than explicit. But uh, this psalm was written by David, right, as a, as a public person. He wrote this psalm as the king of Israel. Uh, he wrote it to be used in the worship of God so that many other people would take this psalm on their lips and sing this psalm themselves in solidarity with what their king, David, had gone through. Right? And, and uh, this was even more true of Jesus Christ, right? He comes and what he suffers, as recorded for us in Psalm 22 is for us, right? He's not doing it as a private person. He's doing it for our sakes so that we can sing along the words of this psalm, right? This is what he, what he suffered on the cross was, was for us. He suffered in our place. 
so that we might join him in praise and blessing in God's presence. And this is the second thing we see in verses 22 through 26. We get a picture here of Christ's resurrection uh, and his ascension. We, the verse 22 and following brings us into the temple where David, right, he's been delivered by God and then now he comes into the temple and, and he's praising God. He's, he's with the congregation. He's with, the, the, all, with all the people and he's praising the Lord for what he's done. And this is fulfilled in Christ as he rises from the dead and ascends into heaven and leads the whole church and prays to God for what he has done. This is the, uh, the theme of our praise in heaven, that Christ was slain for us and then that he was raised up by the power of God for us. And verse 28 in the psalm here goes on to declare that the kingdom belongs to God, that God has rewarded his son with this great kingdom. Right? And this is true of, of Christ. All the nations are under his rule for us. So the psalm moves from this suffering in the first half to the second half about how God delivered his son and raised him up and has brought him into his presence in glory. But then as the psalm ends, it tells us who all this is for. It ends in verses 27 to 31, telling us what Christ did, who, who Christ did all these things for. The closing verses, right, they, they show us Jesus is the, is the king. They say he's reigning over all the nations of the world, and, and he's calling people from among all the nations and all generations to come to him and join in praising God and enjoying his blessing with him. Verse 29, right, says that uh, uh, this this reign of Christ over all things is for the whole world. It's over all the nations. It's over all men. It's for the prosperous, the powerful. It's for the weak. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, for the one who cannot keep himself alive, verse 29 says. There's no limit to this kingdom that Christ is extending and building. And then, verses 30, 30 to 31 add to this picture that Christ's kingdom is not just spreading out geographically, but it's going on through the generations. That there's no, there's no time limit to it. It's going to keep on. It's for a generation yet unborn. This is an eternal king the psalm is speaking of. And so this is telling us, right, what Christ suffered and what the, 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 the victory God has brought him into, it's for all men everywhere at all times who will fear the Lord and trust in him. And so it's, this is for us, Right? The suffering he goes through is for us. The victory he accomplishes is for us. He was forsaken so that every time we feel forsaken, we can have confidence knowing we aren't. That it's actually just the discipline of God graciously leading us along. He was forsaken and uh, slain for our sakes and then raised up for our sakes so that we know God is going to raise us up with him as well and bring us uh, into that great, final day of rejoicing and worship in the eternal temple in heaven with the Lord. So, dear brothers and sisters, uh, in your own experience of the Christian life, as the Lord brings you along through various trials, remember what Christ experienced on the cross. Remember that what he went through there was both like what you go through and also completely unique. All right, it's like what you go through, right? The, the feeling of forsakenness. And the feeling of deliverance, that's also what we go through, but unique. And that he did it for our sakes and bore our sin, that we might...
be under the smile of God always and never be forsaken. So trust Him. He's been on the road ahead of you. He knows what it's like. He's opened heaven for you and He calls you there now too. So put all your confidence in Him. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You for what You suffered and endured on the cross. And we thank You, O Lord, that You were raised up in glory and that You are now in heaven. And that our confidence is this, that You will never leave us nor forsake us. But we will abide with You in heaven forever, singing Your praise. Thank You that we are not forsaken uh, because Christ was forsaken in our place. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Our final hymn is number 246, Man of Sorrows, What a Name. Let's stand and sing together. sisters. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.